Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast designed to help more people get into God's Word and get more out of the Word. I'm Ben Blakey. It's Thursday, January 7th, 2021. Are you concerned about the state of this nation, the United States of America? At this point, how could you not be? After living through 2020 and now starting 2021, how could you not be concerned about the trajectory of our country towards chaos and ungodliness? The question I want to ask is what can we do with that concern? And is there a positive direction that we can go in the midst of that? And to get us started and to jump right in, I want us to start in Psalm 5, where we look at the first six verses today. Because what we see right away is the psalmist, in this case, David, he is very concerned. He is very concerned about what he sees going on in the world around him. We see starting in verse 1, he says, Give ear to my words, O Lord. Consider my groaning. Give attention to the sound of my cry, my King and my God, for to you do I pray. O Lord, in the morning you hear my voice. In the morning I prepare a sacrifice for you and watch. Where he takes his concern, the first place that he goes with it is prayer. He brings his concern to God. And he says there in verse 2, Give attention to the sound of my cry, my King and my God. And we think even of the judicial system in the United States of America and in the courts and how you can appeal to the next level of courts and maybe make it all the way to the Supreme Court. But we think about that, how that is a process and appeals can be denied or sent back or uh, all kinds of different outcomes. Well, if you are a believer, if you are one of God's people, you always have an instant appeal to the highest of high courts. You can bring your concern to your king and your God. And if that doesn't mean anything to you, You need to rethink who you think God is. If you think prayer is just some empty platitude, uh, just, you know, something that makes us feel better, then you don't understand what prayer is and you don't understand who God is. One thing that is unmistakably clear throughout the scripture is that God is holy, God is in control, yet God listens to the prayers of his people. And we need to to act like we believe that prayer is powerful. And prayer is one of the most powerful weapons we have in our arsenal as Christians, that we can go to the king of all kings and we go not just as subjects, but as sons and daughters to the king of all kings. And look at what David goes on to say. He says, for you are not a God who delights in wickedness. Evil may not dwell with you. The boastful shall not stand before your eyes. You hate all evildoers. You destroy those who speak lies. The Lord abhors the bloodthirsty and deceitful man. 
And you might see on that list a lot of things you're concerned about. Wickedness, evil, boasting, uh, people speaking lies, bloodthirsty and deceitful men. You might have concerns about all of those things in the world that you look out and see. Well, you can talk to the ultimate judge, the judge who does not delight in wickedness, the God who will destroy those who speak lies. And this is where we have to acknowledge there are limits to human justice. There's limits to what human justice can do. I mean, there's just some ways that there is no possible way to to punish someone really in, in a way that's commensurate with their crimes. As we think about even atrocities that have been committed throughout history. And that's where as Christians, we take comfort in that there will be a judgment day where God, the righteous judge, will administer justice. But I think even seeing this, this passage, while we should draw comfort from the fact that God will bring justice in the end, that he often finds ways even of bringing about justice in his sovereign will and in his sovereign way right now. That, that God does even kind of step into human history and cause events to happen that destroy uh, those who speak lies. Uh, that, that he hates the bloodthirsty and the deceitful, and, and he'll do things to expose people and, and to stop those who are doing evil as, as a sign, really, I think, even of his common grace. And, and so we need to understand the power of God, and we need to lift our concern up to the one who is still on the throne. And, and that's just a place where we can start. I want us to think about what, what we can do with our concern and think about who we can bring that to, and then start to think, well, what can we do about it? Is there anything positive? Is there any kind of solution uh, to these things that we are concerned about? But as we think more about the concern, I want us to move next to Genesis 16 through 18. And even due to recent events in our nation, you know, uh, a lot of this starts getting us thinking about what's going on in the world. But Oftentimes, there's also times where we have great concern about something that's going on in our lives, and not so much in a, in a national or a political sense, but in our own lives, we feel mistreated. We, f- we have concern about something that is going on in our lives. And I think we're going to see that, especially in Genesis 16 today, as we read about Sarai and this woman named Hagar. And again, notice, I think this is when Abram, he, he's not listening to direction from God and God's promises and God's word that he would have a son. And he starts coming up with his own ideas or listening technically to his wife's idea to, uh, to have relations with her servant and, and have a child that way. And that is what happens. And, and this woman, Hagar, gives birth to Ishmael. And we see instantly that starts to be a problem. I mean, this, this foolish action of straying from God's promises has immediate consequences. But we see that Sarai instantly starts mistreating Hagar. I mean, it's interesting how this all, this whole thing was Sarai's idea, uh, for Abraham to have this relationship and produce this child. And now she deals harshly in verse 6, Genesis 16, 6, with Hagar, and she flees. She flees from Sarai. And she she goes into the wilderness and she finds this, this spring. And God, the angel of the Lord, appears to her. And, and talks to her and actually gives her promises about this son, that he is going to take care of this son. And we see God, I think it's a powerful story that even though 
in many ways, there's a lot of tension between Ishmael and Isaac, you know, even going down throughout history that God shows care for this woman who has been mistreated. And it says in verse 13, after God talks to her and even gives her promises about her son, that she says, she calls the name of the Lord who spoke to her, you are a God of seeing. For she said, truly here, I have seen him who looks after me. It's such a powerful verse, a powerful reminder that God sees. God knows everything that is going on on this planet right now. He knows the truth. He uh, sees everything. And also, not just, again, in a, a whole world sense, he sees everything that's going on with your life. Every time you are mistreated um, or abused or uh, just taken for granted, whatever it might be, God sees and he will notice and he will ultimately deal with, with all of these things. He is a God who sees. I think we also see what, what to do with our concern as we get into chapter 18, right? We have this whole episode where God again appears to Abram and tells him, you are going to have a son within a year. And Sarah laughs. Um, and at this point, Sarai has been changed to Sarah and Abram to Abraham. But at the end, Abraham intercedes for the city of Sodom. And again, we know this is an incredibly wicked, wicked city that we know God is going to judge. But we see Abraham pleading for this wicked city. And I think if you look out and you're concerned feeling and you feel what has often been expressed by preachers with, with something like the sentiment of if God doesn't judge America, he's going to have to apologize to Sodom and Gomorrah. If you're concerned about the trajectory of our, our nation, one thing we should ask is, are we interceding for our nation like Abram intercedes for Sodom? And, and he even appeals to God. He appeals to his, his character. He says in verse 25, far be it from you to do such a thing, to put the righteous to death with the wicked, so that the righteous face the wicked. Far be that from you, shall not the judge of all the earth do what is just? That we should be crying out to the judge of all the earth and asking him to have mercy even on our nation and for him to have mercy even on those who are just and are doing what is right. So we start to see just as we're concerned about things in our world or in our lives, we, we need to pray. We need to intercede even for others with God. And we need to understand he is the God who sees, sees everything, everything that's going on in the world, everything that's going on in your life. But what, what about, is there, is there something that we can do? What, what do we do to survive in a world that is crazy or that is hostile? And that's where I am super excited to get to Acts chapter 2 today. Acts chapter 2 verses 37 through 47. And here we pick it up after Peter's sermon. And now he's, he's preached that they have killed the Messiah and that this Jesus is Lord and Christ whom they crucified. And picking it up in verse 37, it says, Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promises for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom calls 
whom the Lord our God calls to himself. So what's the solution? Well, what we want to see happen is revival. That's the solution we should be praying for and working for. And that's what we see. It says that there were about 3,000 people that get saved and get baptized that day. That's what that's the solution we should want to see. God doing a work of bringing people to salvation. Well, we need to be clear. That work is not going to happen unless this message Calling people to repent is getting out there. And I think we need to be clear as Christians, as we look at the world around us, we should feel an urgency unlike anything we've felt before to get that message out. The message that Peter preached yesterday, that Jesus is the Messiah, he is the Savior, he rose from the dead, and that everyone in the world needs to know You need to repent. You need to turn from your sin and put your faith in this Messiah so you can experience the forgiveness of sins. Or look at how Peter puts it in verse 40. It says, And with many other words he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. Do you look out at our world and see a crooked generation? How is there going to be a path to salvation? It's through the good news of Jesus Christ as people turn, repent from their sins and put their trust in the one and only Savior. And, and what are we as Christians to do? Even Are you concerned? Man, I think our world is getting darker and I think there's going to be more persecution for Christians that genuinely want to follow Christ in the future. That's going to get harder and harder. Can the church survive in that kind of environment? Can the church thrive in that kind of environment? And, and you can find all kinds of books even being written today about what that should look like and new strategies the church should try or, or new, new ideas about how how they should operate or communities that we should form. Well, I've got, I think, a a great example of how a church can not just survive, but can thrive and even lead to revival in a culture that is hostile to the word of God. And we see that in Acts 2.42, the playbook of the early church. It says, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers, right? right. These are the things that they were committed to. And what we're going to see throughout the book of Acts is their commitment to these things and the power of the Holy Spirit turns the world upside down. And and maybe you're like, I feel like the world has been turned upside down. Well, if you want to be a part of flipping it right side back up again, our ultimate strategy needs to be based on these crucial elements of life and Christianity right here at Acts 2.42. You as an individual and our churches need to be committed to these things. First, the apostles' teaching. And again, in this time, the apostles were literally there teaching them. Now we have the recorded words of the apostles through the New Testament, and we have the Holy Scriptures. We need to be committed to the Bible. And you need to be committed to the Bible as a person. Our churches need to be committed to the word of God as corporate units. 
we live in a day where even the truth, it can be harder and harder to discern because I think it's getting harder and harder to know who, who in this world should I trust to give me reliable information that's not skewed or that's not biased or that's not uh, falsified in some way. Where do I get that kind of information? And we as Christians need to know the gold standard on truth is going to be the very words of God. There might even be a lot of things in this world that we can't figure out, but God has given us his word. Let's make sure we focus first and foremost on that. This word is where revival is going to come from. Revival is going to come from the Bible. And we need to even think about that in our own lives. And we need to evaluate even just for ourselves, are we personally devoted to God's word? Even are we devoting more time and more attention to the truth of God's word than we are into just what's going on in the world, which is certainly not a wrong thing. There's good that can come from being aware of what's going on in the world around us, Uh, but that should all be flowing from first and foremost, I'm aware of the truth of God's word and what he is saying. Also, they were devoted to fellowship. And we see, you know, we think of fellowship as, you know, a potluck or something where we get together and do something. We see later in this chapter, for them, it meant even that they were sharing their possessions. They were sharing their very lives with each other. And that's another thing that is going to be so important for us in a turbulent world, in a world that seems like it's getting worse. We need to be committed to real fellowship, to real care for one another. And we have to admit, you know, we might not be able to fix all the problems in our nation, but can we love one another? Can we make sure that we're reaching out to each other? That's why we have at our church, we emphasize even small groups for, uh, and that being such an important part of community. Are you, who are you going to reach out to today and encourage and have meaningful fellowship where we are building each other up in the Lord? We need each other. And in times like this, we need to make sure we are reaching out to our brothers and sisters to encourage them, to strengthen them, and to build them up. It also talks about the breaking of bread. And obviously, their fellowship, a lot of that was even having meals together. But breaking of bread even seems to have implications that lead us to think of the Lord's table and the breaking of the bread and the sharing of the cup as we remember the body and the blood of Jesus Christ. At the center of our lives needs to be a remembrance of what Jesus has done for us by dying on the cross for our sins. As we look out at a sinful world, there should always be a part of us even that says, woe is me, because I'm a man of unclean lips. I'm much closer to this sinful world than I am to a holy God. But the the path for me, the, the reason I can have hope is because Christ died for my sins. He was the sacrifice that can cleanse me and make me holy. And we need to even remember the Lord's table. Uh, while, you know, we in our culture, I think it's easy for us to think of anything that's a ritual or symbolic. Well, then it's not that important. No, that's not true. This is a very important practice for us as a church that should point us back to the most central thing in our faith, really the gospel, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures and that he rose again. And finally, it comes back to prayer. They devoted themselves to prayer. And that's where we've started this podcast. And even we start to get to the end of it. As we realize as Christians, we must be devoted to prayer. It is not just a meaningless thing. It is not just, you know, a token thing that we throw out. No, we believe that prayer is 
powerful. And we must be committed to that as individuals. We must be committed to that as as churches. And even though we're concerned about our nation, even though the trajectory seems to be headed in a direction that is certainly not good, we as Christians can be confident that the church can not just survive, but it can thrive. And the, the, the playbook towards that plan is not just going to be found in some new idea somebody came up and wrote in a book in the last couple of years. We find it right here in scripture. These are the things we must be committed to. Finally, we read about the baptism of Christ in Matthew chapter 3. And one interesting thing that Jesus says here to convince John to baptize him is that it was fitting for him to do so to fulfill all righteousness. And we're reminded even that why Jesus lived, why he didn't just, you know, roll into town on Sunday and do the Passion Week and rise from the dead and and ascend back into heaven. No, he was born as a baby and he lived for 33 years on this planet so that he could fulfill all righteousness, so that he could live that perfect life that you and I cannot live. And ultimately, even in the face of concern, the reason we can have hope is because of Jesus Christ. He lived the perfect life. He died on the cross. He rose again. He is coming back. He is the King. So let's lift our concerns to him and let's follow his pattern. Be devoted to his word, be devoted to fellowship, be devoted to remembering his sacrifice and devoted to prayer. And I can't wait to see how God is going to use that again to turn the world upside down. Thanks for digging into God's God's word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out revivalfromthebible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to compassbible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.